Hey, welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. It's a Monday morning intra-market update. Uh, today we have, welcome back to the show, Chris Temple of National Investor uh, for a special conversation regarding a topic that we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about here on Mining Stock Daily. Uh, but before we get into that conversation, just a quick rundown of what the markets are doing in precious metals and mining. Relatively flat today, uh, gold futures uh, up marginally. Uh, about six bucks. Uh, silver futures uh, up 23 cents, maybe doing a little bit better on a percentage basis. Uh, for silver today, uh, the GDX pretty flat, up about 1.8%, uh, just climbing above that 30 day, uh, excuse me, $30 spot price. Uh, so let's get into it. Today we're going to talk oil because that is the news of the morning. Uh, it's pretty ugly out there for the oil industry and the oil patch uh, right now as we are recording. Uh, the futures basis right now is about $10.85 a barrel. So to join us with all his knowledge and uh, analysis on the oil industry is Chris Temple. Uh, Chris, welcome back to Mining Stock Daily and this uh, very special and interesting update we're going to share with our listeners. Well, thanks, Trevor. Uh, let's get to it. Uh, we saw a huge sell-off. <clears throat> Excuse me. We saw a huge sell-off in oil. Uh, turns out we don't have anywhere to put this stuff anymore. So give us the rundown of why we're seeing such a sell-off today. Well, that's that's a big part of it. You said yourself right there is that literally there is no place to put what is still uh, an oil production level way too high, mm -hmm. given the fact that we've had in the U.S. specifically about a 40% reduction in what demand had been prior to uh, the Wuhan virus and all of this other stuff that's going on, the shutting down of the economy. And one of the things that somewhat belatedly I think people are waking up to is, is that, yes, we're looking in the coming weeks of putting together one rebound on top of another and we'll open this part of this state and then we'll open this part of that state Washington state, which was one of the early ones, is now going in the wrong direction again. So people are starting to understand, Trevor, that there is not going to be any time in the foreseeable future anything close to going back to what normal was a couple or three months ago. At the same time, this alleged deal of the recent past to curtail oil production sufficiently did not Saudi Arabia find a deal. They did it before the ink was even dry in discounting the price for oil to China. So to the extent this was supposed to help prop the price up, it didn't do it and didn't do it by design on a part of the Saudis. Here in the U.S., President Trump and his energy secretary were trying to get everybody to buy the idea that we're not going to have any overt production cuts will just let attrition work because already be, due to the stresses of the industry, a lot of production was falling off, but it's not falling off fast enough. So that brings us to a point where uh, just in the last couple of days added to the negative pricing parade now is the biggest benchmark in Canada, Western Canadian Select. That's at a negative price. And we're darn close. Right now in the Permian Basin of Texas, there are buyers offering $2 a barrel, Trevor, for oil production as of today. So when you see 
these headline numbers, the spot price of the uh, cur- current, the front month contract, which expires, I think, either today or tomorrow for oil is now under $11 a barrel. I mean, that that's already water under the bridge. We know that. What I'm warning people about is that when we look at the steepest contango in history uh, on the outer month contracts, you know, June and beyond, you can go out to August and we're still well under $30 a barrel. And I think what's really going to underscore the reality that's setting in is it's not going to take more than a couple of more days for the June contract, which has been holding $22 and some change this morning, that's going to break into the teens. And even when you see that, it's really not a reflection of what's going on on the ground because you're getting to a point where oil production in this country literally can hardly be given away because there is no place to put it. And and some people still, I think, including the president, are in denial about this. Chris, I wanted to ask you about kind of leading up to where we're at now. Were there any red flags from the oil industry that we maybe saw people waving you know, underneath the surface before we got to this point that we could have maybe been forewarned before, we, before oh, it happened? Trevor, all kinds of them. You can go all the way back to late 2015 and the early 2016 when you had a collapse in the oil price because of too much production, too much debt in the industry. Some of us at the time were saying, hey, this is going to be a repeat of what happened to the overjuiced real estate and mortgage markets in the middle 2000s, and that all blew up starting in 2007 and for the a few years after that. Oil has been a microcosm not only of that, but of a lot more sins that this country does not want to admit to. I've got a pretty provocative essay on my website about that, Oil Mageddon, if you haven't read it already. But back then, a few years ago, you did have some bankruptcies, but by and large, this over-indebted, bloated, mathematic, you know, mathematics-defying industry uh, was saved somewhat because you still had enough investors and creditors who were willing to roll over debts, play, extend, and pretend, and believe in what Jim Chanos, a you know, very smart guy, hedge fund manager, says, you know, with the shale patch especially, is not a business plan, but an accounting scam. So the oil patch now is picking up where it left off back in 2016. This time there is going to be no saving a lot of these companies. The only question is, what else does this industry take with it as it implodes? The backside of this is not going to be pretty. So, yes, there's been warnings around for a while, but people on Wall Street ignored them because they bought into and believed and profited from the accounting scam. And one of the things I've been more critical on others of this president on is he is either totally disingenuous when he has discussed our oil situation or even dumber on basic economics, and I give him credit for one or the other, because this is an industry that all in all in one package is everything that we have done wrong as a country, from the abuse and misuse of debt, forcing production, forcing economic activity, and with oil you add our foreign policy and a lot of the stuff that goes along with that, that has put us really in a terrible mess. And we are, Trevor, when this is done, we are going to swing from a new exporter of energy products and someone, a country that allegedly has more of its domestic needs taken care of now 
to in a few years, when the dust settles, we will have shortages because so much destruction has been done to our own industry. And when things get back to something close to normal for demand, the crazy thing is that the other end of this, we're going to have the opposite problem. We won't have the supply to meet the demand. So even a weak economy, you could see prices spike way beyond what looks possible right now. Chris, I have so many questions to follow up on. I don't even know where to begin and uh, <laughs> do with time here. There's a couple of themes that I wanted to pick up uh, with you and, and share some ideas. We know that a lot of these companies have been in debt if for 10 years or, n- or not more. Uh, we you, you mentioned that in the accounting scheme here in your previous answer. I'm just curious, uh, what kind of similarities are you seeing now with oil to compare, say, the banking industry of 2009 when a lot of the big banks took bailout money uh, to keep them propped up? Uh, Do you see something similar happening here with the big U.S. oil producers? And really, does that do us any good? Well, look, when we used to have a free market, which we haven't had in a very long time, Trevor, overproduction and 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 you know, low prices took care of themselves. If people overinvested, they suffered the consequences of their bad decisions. Today, we have this credit system that the Fed has given us where it's that everybody gets a trophy credit system. Everybody is able to to borrow money. The Fed, uh, mostly under Alan Greenspan, who is the single most destructive policymaker this country has ever had, in its two-century-plus existence, they created all of these shadow banking entities and the securitization schemes on Wall Street so that they could artificially boost, you know, before it was real estate mortgages, now it's energy, and play all of these games uh, that really had no resemblance, for the most part, to what was on-the-ground economic demand from Main Street. So, this has been an accounting and Wall Street game that's been played. But really, to get to your question, the Fed is going to try and do everything it can to make sure that this doesn't spread uncontrollably, as did the real estate mortgage situation in the last debacle that we had. They will get behind the banks, they'll get behind some hedge funds and so forth. There was a little bit of misinformation recently when the Fed there a couple of weeks ago uh, announced its newest moves and the headlines were that they were getting behind junk bonds. That wasn't quite true. Uh, so far, at least, they're only getting behind, in some ways, corporate debt that was investment grade before a certain date. And because of this hit, due to the virus and the shutting down of the economy, it got downgraded after the fact. Most of the com- companies that are going to go bust, it should have gone bust three or four years ago, were already junk grade. So they're not going to be saved, at least to this point, with what the Fed has in front of it. So they'll instead get behind the banks that are going to be on a hook. Uh, if there are going to be any major problems for banks, the Fed will figure out a way to backstop that. And otherwise, you're going to have kind of a controlled consolidation of this industry as much as the players can pull it off. For every five energy companies you've got around today, you'll have one left in a couple of years. You'll have a lot of consolidation of assets. There were, there will be a lot of production lost that won't come back anytime real soon because even the healthiest companies right now are tightening their belts. They're slashing capital spending. And again, uh, looking at the misery now and the low price and overproduction, you wouldn't think this, but this will set the stage a few years down the road 
for the opposite problem, uh, soaring prices for oil and related products because we, so much was destroyed. Uh, Chris, and again, I mentioned this before, and this is mining stock deal, and we talk a lot about miners and precious metals. Uh, I do want to iterate, reiterate that we're talking oil right now because, frankly, it's it's the single biggest matter that's happening in the markets right now. It's important to know it all plays a part some way or another. And I just wanted to I wanted to swing back with you, Chris, because. It amazes me and makes me shake my hand. I mean, we're seeing oil plummet. We're seeing bankruptcies uh, that are, haven't yet hit the tape that would most likely are is going to happen. But yet the market continues to continue to move higher and higher and basically with its blinders on right past the oil industry. Why is this? Give us a good reason why uh, such a large part of our economy that is in the sink, yet the overall markets continue to move up. The overall markets right now, they did get hit somewhat and are today for that matter with the weakness in energy, but more so you've still got a mentality that hasn't been quite broken yet on Wall Street of not only buy the dip, but more so you've got traders who have algorithms set up. They got cash burning a hole in their pocket. They don't want to accept the fact that there is a lot of long-term damage that's been done to the economy. So every time you hear, you see a headline of this this reopening plan or that reopening plan or this state's uh, virus numbers have, have, have started a downward trajectory or whatnot, they're just going to buy automatically based on that. You know, a lot of it is we're back to a top heavy kind of market where it's the big mega cap stocks, you know, the stay at home uh, new economy ones, you know, the Netflixes, the Amazons and things like that that are getting a disproportionate amount of the attention. But a lot of that, I think, is because the broad market still is not fully coming to grips with the types of much weaker economic dynamics going forward that we, in fact, do have that is most exemplified by oil, but not only by oil. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, just in that uh, short uh, 14 minutes there, Chris, I saw oil bottom down to $10.18. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, again, the thing to watch in, in the coming days, Trevor, is you're going to see the back month contracts or the outer contracts. Now, we'll, we'll roll over to the June one next. That's been holding $22 and some change today. That'll slip into the teens before much longer. Um, I, I, two things you want to look for to know that the worst is over and that the energy sector is actually investable again, but only with the best companies when that time comes. Number one, you want to learn that the price on the ground, which again today for some Permian production is $2 a barrel and may still go negative in the coming weeks. You want to see that price, forget the spot price on a TV as much. You want to see what they're getting paid. Mm -hmm. start to move back up and get close to and if not exceed what the uh, spot prices are. That's number one. Number two, and this is going to take a couple or three months also, you want to legitimately see that U.S. production is not 13 million barrels a day anymore as it was around the peak, but is back down to seven or eight. Uh, and if you see those things, and especially that latter in the context of somewhat of a lurching back to more travel and, and, and more normal economic activity, then maybe we can start to participate in the energy stocks again. But until then, this has still got 
more time to play out and more misery to give us. Right. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, we'll look forward to reaching back in touch with you regarding this industry. Uh, maybe yes. over time, it actually does a little bit of uh, flattening out and rebounding. But like you said, uh, it doesn't appear much of that happening unless those two things really come into fruition. Chris, thank you. so. And Trevor, I'm sorry. One thing I got to interject before we forget the good news for those people that are out there in mining stocks that are in production is that the cost of fuel is pretty damn cheap right now. That is true, but they have to be burning that fuel and producing it to actually take advantage of it. <laughs> so there's there's that caveat to it as well, right? So Right. All right, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Take care, my friend. We'll catch you again another day. You too.